everybody, and welcome back to Everything Else. I'm your host, as always, Nick Stewart. Um, I've been studying Revelation since September, like maybe mid-September, and there are just a ton of things I've been wanting to talk about on the show, but I've been uh, obviously on hiatus for quite a while, so I haven't had the chance. I was trying to narrow down like what I wanted to talk about, because there are just you know, so many things that I could ramble on. I'm sorry, on which I could ramble. I'm not a savage, excuse me. Uh, so, what, so what I'm going to do today is uh, give a basic overview of how I see the book of Revelation. Uh, I'm not directly quoting from any particular sources. I'm just sort of vomiting out everything I've been learning. I have read a few books at this point, so maybe... At the end, I'll uh, talk about a few of them. Uh, So first things first, what is the book about? And, you know, even that is a pretty dense, you know, thing. But uh, the way I see it, I I would basically say the book is about the present age, which would be the present age during the New Testament, Um, transitioning into what they call the age to come. Um, I would say the harlot, which is Jerusalem, is being replaced by the virginal bride of Christ, which is the church. So the book starts with Jesus addressing seven first century churches, and it ranges from like commendations to outright rebukes. Uh, Some of these churches have uh, resisted emperor worship, which was a significant cultural practice at the time, and some of these churches have completely forgotten their first love, Jesus Christ. And after John relays Jesus' messages to the seven churches, he's shown a vision of heaven, and he sees the Father and the Son sharing the throne and living creatures in heaven Uh, worshiping them around the clock and there's a a sealed scroll that only Jesus is worthy to open and I take this to be um, basically I I saw two main views of this and I think it's both Um, I take this to be not only the, the scroll represents the new covenant between God and his people but also it's a con Demnatory declaration of Jerusalem's guilt. So imagine Jerusalem is guilty according to the new covenant. Um, you know, it's grace to members of the covenant and condemnation to those outside of it. So it's kind of it's kind of an all-in-one sort of thing. And and I saw commentators divided on that, but I, I don't see why it can't be both of those things. That works quite well, um, unless I'm missing something. So uh, the creatures uh, worshiping around the throne pour out these golden bowls full of incense, and the text tells us specifically that the incense uh, represents the prayers of the saints. And then Jesus begins to open the seven seals on the scroll. And uh, those are wax seals, not like harbor seals. Um, It's very early. That was just just a joke for you that kind of made me me chuckle in my head when I was thinking of it. Uh, (laughs) So uh, what we're seeing 
uh, when the the scroll is opened is the answer to the prayers of the saints that that golden bowl of incense that, that's poured out um, everything from this point on the destruction of Jerusalem is the answer to, to those prayers so with each of the first four seals uh, we get one of the four horsemen and I'm just gonna tell you up front whatever your view of the four horsemen is it's probably a lot different than than mine and different than the the text of the bible really tells us but first comes the uh rider on the white horse and believe it or not and a lot of people have never heard it explained this way (laughs) but believe it or not the rider on the white horse is jesus himself and um for at least two reasons off the top of my head I'm sure there's more written on the margin of my Bible, but the first one I can think of is uh, Jesus rides a white horse in chapter 19. So there's already kind of a parallel there. And uh, the second is that um, what does the, the rider on the white horse do? Well, he conquers, and Jesus is definitely a conqueror. So we see a conqueror on a white horse. Uh, so that sounds a lot like Jesus in chapter 19. And speaking of chapter 19, uh, Jesus rides a white horse and slays people with the sword in his mouth. And what's the sword in his mouth? It's his word, uh, scripture. So chapter 19 is about Jesus coming and conquering by the word of God. And that sounds a lot more like, like Jesus than we you know, typically think of when we think of the four horsemen. Um, typically you think of like demonic beings that are like enslaving people and scooping out their eyes and stuff. Kamala Harris, you, you, Kamala Harris is the kind of thing that comes to your mind when you think about the four horsemen, but that's not uh, completely accurate to the picture we get in scripture. So with the second seal comes the rider on the red horse, which represents war, um, specifically a loss of peace. And one thing to note here is, can't say this is true in every case, but um, the majority of the time, uh, if not every time the word earth is used in Revelation, it can also mean land. So some of these statements about the earth probably mean the land, namely Israel. So when the rider on the red horse comes and takes away peace from the earth, it could actually mean He's taking away peace from Jerusalem. And Jesus said he would do exactly that. He said, I don't come to bring peace, but a sword. And now that doesn't mean he's not the prince of peace, because he is, but it means that with his kingdom is going to come massive division between kingdom members and non-kingdom members. So with the third seal comes the rider on the black horse. This rider represents famine. He has a scale, and he says, um, I can't remember the exact price, uh, a quart and a denarius, I think, um, but he gives these exorbitant prices for wheat and barley, which you know some people could call price gouging, but I think the reality is that uh, with a crumbling empire, you see scarcity and inflation. So with fewer supplies and a dying currency, you'll see crazy prices for basic necessities of life. It's starting to happen here, and it'll get a lot worse before this is all done. Um, speaking of America today, um, and that's uh, you know essentially what, 
wheat and and barley are they're just like basic necessities uh, of life they're not fancy foods they you know they're just these very basic like you know um what what do you call it the rations um it's something you would eat just to fill your belly you know um but it says do not harm the oil and the wine now i take this to mean that like basic necessities are inflated while the luxury items are still affordable to the rich so then comes the fourth seal and the last horseman the pale horse and that word pale is actually like a sickly green color that represents death and it's kind of the color of like disease like what you would think of when like a cartoon character has the flu and uh, death is given authority to kill one quarter of the earth which now you know could also mean one quarter of Jerusalem so altogether we have a conqueror war famine and death coming to the land of Jerusalem because the land is found guilty according to the new covenant I know we're spending a lot of time on the seven seals but uh, it's really important so during the opening of the fifth seal martyrs in heaven ask God how much longer it'll be before he avenges their deaths so put a pin in that because I'm coming back to that later and then the sixth seal opens and there's a massive earthquake and the sun goes dark then in the middle in between six and seven we see the ceiling of the 144,000 different kind of ceiling it's uh it's a mark on their foreheads that sets them apart as the people of god and it's a pretty straightforward explanation as to what the 144,000 are uh, almost everyone agrees uh, that this represents a remnant of believing Jews that God protects through his tribulation. And the only difference among the views would be when you think this tribulation is happening. And I take it to be the siege of Jerusalem, where others might see it being fulfilled in the future. Um, so then the seven seals open, but it's not exactly what you think it's going to be. The seventh seal is the seven trumpets. So all seven trumpets together is the seventh seal. And the seventh trumpet is the seven bowls of wrath. And uh, I can't remember who said it, but uh, somebody compared it to a telescope. So each piece is contained in the piece before it, you know, imagine a telescope. Think of it that way. So that's how it is with the seals, the trumpets, the bowls. Like they're kind of contained within each other. It's too much to get into today, but a lot of the trumpets and the bowls are actually allusions to the plagues in Egypt in the book of Exodus, uh, which is one of many comparisons made of Jerusalem to other wicked cities throughout scripture. Um, in Revelation, Jerusalem is compared to Sodom, Egypt, and Babylon, at least. Um, there might be one or two others I'm forgetting. Uh, so if you have time to peruse the book yourself, I would check out the similarities between the trumpets and bowls and the plagues in Egypt, um, darkening of the sun, water turning to blood, that kind of stuff. So in the midst of all that chaos, we see uh, the two witnesses, which are the church. Uh, we know that because they're compared to uh, two lampstands. And earlier in the first three chapters, when uh, Jesus is addressing the seven churches um, there the churches are compared to lampstands so there's continuity there um, but the witnesses are killed and resurrected 
probably a figure of the martyrs resurrection uh, the same martyrs that are asking god when he'll avenge them so getting back to that from uh, chapter six remember i told you to put a pin in that uh, i believe the trumpets and bowls of wrath are god's answer to the martyrs asking when they'll be avenged which is part of the prayers of the saints god is punishing jerusalem for covenant unfaithfulness crucifying the messiah killing every prophet ever sent to her and martyring you know members of the early church so then we see the dragons and the two beasts lots to get in i mean i could do a whole episode on like chapter 12 and 13 uh but the dragon is satan and he gives his throne and power to the beast which is nero uh, who was the emperor of Rome at the time, and Jerusalem was being sieged by Rome. at the So obviously the, the beast is the one in charge of that. Uh, then the second beast is the kind of cult worship surrounding Emperor Nero. Um, so you got the mark of the beast in there, that's in chapter 13, uh, which has been a pain to many people to figure out over the years. Basically you couldn't trade without the mark of the beast, like you couldn't buy or sell. And the mark involved some kind of loyalty to the beast, which we know is an emperor, so it's kind of an empire thing. It's well documented that Christians were economically discriminated against in first century Rome for not having that kind of loyalty to Nero or any other emperor. And by the way, this is just what empires and governments do. They, they use economic means to punish people who won't devote themselves to the empire. Um, people have thought the mark of the beast is like credit cards or microchips or smartphones. And yes, now the COVID vaccine is the most popular theory for uh, mark of the beast. Uh, but they've all, you know, been hypothesized as, as the mark uh, because they all bear some resemblance to the mark. And that's because the mark of the beast is just the kind of thing that every government does. Uh, governments use economic means to punish people who aren't loyal. So later on in chapter 17, we see the great prostitute of Babylon. This is clearly Jerusalem for a lot of reasons, but mainly it's uh, identified, I think, twice, at least once, maybe twice, as, as the city that uh, kills prophets. And that's an infamous title that applies to Jerusalem better than any other city in world history. Um, you know, of course, Rome could be the city being talked about, but I, I really don't think Rome has the reputation for that that Jerusalem did. So I'd like to do a whole episode on why Babylon and the harlot are Jerusalem and why the, the city is Jerusalem. But, you know, it's a little bit too much for today. Uh, we're kind of running out of time, so let's wrap up the last few chapters. Uh, Babylon falls, Christ comes and conquers, and Satan is bound for a thousand years. This is another one that's uh, different for people. Um, our view of the millennial kingdom is usually a lot different than what we see before us today. But that's basically what scripture says it is. Um, Jesus tells us in Matthew that he's bound Satan and the kingdom has come. Uh, in Revelation 20, we see Satan bound and the nation's no longer deceived because the gospel has gone out to the world 
and we see the kingdom reign of Christ on the earth. Now that the old Jerusalem has been destroyed, we see that the new Jerusalem is coming down out of heaven, and we're given a lot of Garden of Eden imagery, rivers, a tree of life, just name a couple. This kind of uh, represents the new creation um, that is you know, being realized in the church and will eventually be realized worldwide and will eventually be realized in the, the eternal state. Um, so John was told to measure the old temple with a rod um, sometime back. I want to say chapter 14, but I'm probably wrong. Um, he was told to measure the temple in Jerusalem, um, which is another good reason why the temple was probably standing when this was written, but just a regular rod. And now at the end of the book, he's told to measure the new Jerusalem with a golden rod and the, the whole city of the new Jerusalem is kind of a temple. And we see uh, that the New Jerusalem is a golden square, just like the old temple was a square. So uh, this is kind of a citywide temple where God dwells with his people. So that, in a nutshell, is the book of Revelation. Obviously, there's a lot I didn't address, especially in the last few chapters, because we just kind of ran out of time. But, you know, it's it's 22 chapters, so, you know, come on. Uh, but that's an overview I hit all the main points that are specific to my post-millennial reading of the book. Uh, I really want to do more episodes because I've been studying the book for months and there's just a lot to talk about, about which to talk. Damn it. Um, I have to get the grammar under control. I'm a distinguished podcaster. I have to learn how to talk like a person. So let's, uh, let's talk about books on Revelation and then uh, get get out of here. Uh, I recommend Revelation Four Views. That's uh, a commentary edited by Steve Gregg, uh, where he takes the four main interpretations of Revelation and puts them into parallel columns. It's a really cool one. I'd recommend When the Man Comes Around by Douglas Wilson. Uh, that is very specific to the postmillennial interpretation. Uh, really, one of the only ones. Um, It'd be that and like David Chilton's commentary. I can't think of any other commentaries that would specifically be post-millennial. Um, and by the way, my willingness to recommend that Douglas Wilson book uh, should be a testament to how much I, I loved it. Because uh, I have a lot of friends who kind of uh, want him to die of cancer. So I'm I'm really putting myself out there by, by siding with him on anything. Uh but I like Douglas Wilson, you know, who cares? I'm saying it now, I'm saying it out loud, and I don't care who knows it. I'd throw in uh, Before Jerusalem Fell by Kenneth Gentry. That's a book all about determining when Revelation was written by John, and it makes the case that it was written before AD 70, because if it was written after AD 70, which is when Jerusalem fell, uh, then it's probably not about the fall of Jerusalem at all. Uh, but a lot of the book doesn't add up if that's not the case. So it's a worthwhile question to pursue about the book. And definitely one I'd like to do an episode on in the future. Alright, we've been going 20 minutes now. I'll leave it there. But I want to do some more episodes on Revelation if you guys will have me. That's it. I'll catch you guys next time. Thanks for listening. Whoa.